The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Ellen Goldsmith, licensed acupuncturist, your host this second Monday of the month. Today we are speaking with Lisa Taub, who is the collaborator, co-producer, and executive producer of Screenagers. Screenagers is a documentary directed by physician Delaney Rustin that delves into the digital world teens and their families are navigating. It depicts the messy struggles over smartphones, social media, video games, academics, and internet addiction. Teens have been shown to spend more hours on their devices than they spend in school. And in this film, the research and impact that this heavy use is having on the developing teenage brain is shown. It examines how families, including the director's own, develop strategies to help their teens and help each other move about in this tech-filled world. So today, as I said, we're speaking with Lisa Taub, the co-producer and one of the executive producers of Screenagers. She helped write the story and develop the film. She has been a television news producer and mother of two teenagers herself. For the past 15 years, she's produced news pieces specializing in parenting at ABC7 News in San Francisco. And prior to television, Lisa started and ran adventure travel magazines for more than a decade. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Lisa Tab, welcome to Health Watch, and I want to thank you for stepping in at the last minute as Dr. Rustin became unavailable. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. So this heavy screen time use amongst teens and also among adults is a very big issue, and the impact that it's having on teens and their families is uh, tremendously stressful. And I just wondered how this film came about. How did it come to be? Well, the film came about because Delaney Rustin, who's filmmaker, director, she um, had two teens of her own. And she was noticing more and more that um, there were struggles in the household with her daughter, who was uh, asking for a cell phone. And with her older son, who was using, um, who was a video game player, and was being uh, asking to to use um, to play violent video games, and she also noticed just a lot of struggles going on, and parenting parents asking questions in her practice as a primary care physician. So, Delaney is a um, a filmmaker and a doctor, and she has done several films on mental health. And so she was interested in looking at these issues around screens and teens and parenting issues from a mental health perspective. So she uh, started out on that path and um, asking parents for to open up about their feelings and what was going on in their households. And it, it was difficult. You know, parents are... Um, quite private and uh, about their um, parenting styles, and people weren't completely comfortable opening up about what they were doing and what was going on in their households. So she started to film some of her own life and and what was going on, and um, we ended up getting several stories to follow, 
Um, and then we wove in Delaney's own struggles with her daughter, Tessa, and her son, Chase. So I, I saw this film last month. It was screened here in Portland at Lincoln High School, and I saw it with my husband and my teenage daughter. <laughs> and um, I was quite moved at actually the vulnerability of her showing her own struggle with her daughter. And there were times I was laughing, not because it was funny, because I recognized the conversations. And um, and it was slightly comforting in knowing I'm not alone. But uh, it, it was quite emotional as a parent to watch it, to see how uh, ubiquitous this problem is. It is. And it's it is universal. We are getting great response from all over the world, all over the United States. Um, it cuts across all um, socioeconomic levels, across race, across cultural divides. It is the same issue we as parents are dealing with, you know, everybody across the world. And so we, you know, we get, we get inquiries from, um, of course, from all over the U.S., but, you know, Every morning I wake up to an inquiry from, you know, Japan or uh, Morocco or Israel. I mean, it's, it is universal. So, you know, the, from a parent's standpoint, you know, it's a, it's a power struggle. It's a control issue. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it and when I look at my daughter and I look at other kids, you know, I look at it from another lens and I go, okay, there's a social aspect that that's really great. Um, and of course, they use it for school and all of that. But there's this thing about control and about self-control and about self-regulation that is, it's disconcerting at, at least, at best. <laughs> so could you just talk about that? Because yeah, um, they're different. They're from two different, from the parents' end, it's it's a control issue on one side and the kids issue. It's like, how do they regulate themselves? How do they? Um... Right. And what, what we're up against is we think they should just be able to handle it. We can tell them don't do this and they would do it. But in fact, the, the part of the brain that's responsible for things like uh, planning and decision-making and impulse control, the frontal cortex, it grows slowly over the teen years and it's not fully developed until our twenties. And so the, um, the child, when you're handing them the phone, doesn't necessarily have the ability, the, the brain function, to be able to self-control over something that is very seductive. And they've shown that the chemical dopamine um, is released into the reward centers of the brain uh, when you when the kids are um, interfacing on video games or social media, they're getting likes. It, it's exciting. They're moving up in a game. It's releasing the chemical dopamine, and it's, which is the same thing that happens with addiction. So, what's happening is is that kids are just being seduced into this, um, and and are can't quite control it because of a real chemical thing that's going on. So this, this dopamine secretion that happens, um, you know, that it is very synonymous with uh, any kind of addiction, whether it be gambling, whether it be alcohol or drugs, it, it, there was some research um, in, in there with uh, Nino Ramirez, who does brain research at Seattle Children's Hospital. And it, it actually seems that what happens in a developing brain is that 
are they changing brain structure and neural pathways? I mean, are they setting somebody up for addiction later in life? I mean, how does... Well, we don't, we don't know for sure. But right. what Nino Ramirez did was a study that is just about to be published. It's about, um, he took uh, young mice and he exposed them to um, rapid stimulation that would mimic the sounds and screens that kids are are being exposed to. And he exposed, so he exposed young mice to these screens, and then he, he has the control group. And what he found was that it took the young mice three times longer for them to go through the maze than the non-exposed young mice. And what was happening, um, the next step they did was that they took, um, they looked further at the, at the brain and that the structure that controls learning and memory had less nerve cells compared to those that were not stimulated. So the young mice that were exposed actually had less nerve cells compared to the ones that are stimulated. And um, what was really kind of upsetting was that once they took them, off the young mice off of the exposed screen, exposing them to screens, the reduction in the nerve cells persisted throughout their lives. So it, they never generated. So of course, this is, these are mice, not people. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there are studies that, that are, um, that, that show that once you children get off of screens, there's a return of empathy that is lost. There's a visible return of empathy that's lost. But that, that, that is a different study. But, you know, we need to, we need to consider this and, and do more research and follow it because we are certainly, um, you know, exposing our kids without really knowing. So meaning that so there's a neuroplasticity in the brain, though. The brain can change. So wouldn't it would seem logical that if you, quote, take a kid off a phone, which I think is almost nearly impossible these days, um, or you can you can counter it. Can you counter it with other activities that actually support the 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 stimulation of those nerve cells and learning and memory? I mean, we will need to definitely study that Uh in people. Right. So Mm -hmm. in the mice, it was the nerve cells never developed. So that's a that's a different um, it's a different study to see what happened and whether there was some, you know, compensation that happened later on in other in other ways. We're not sure, mm-hmm. but the the um, the study on these mice, the nerve cells never developed once they were taken off. So I guess the bottom line is it does have a pretty big impact on on, on brains. This kind of rapid stimulation. We we, we think that it, it's possible that it does. Yeah, for sure. There was a very moving story about a young man. Um, and his family talking about um, his internet addiction. Um, really smart young man who went off to college and just kind of fell into this trap of addiction that look, would look like any kind of addiction, but it was the internet and, and his kind of path to recovery. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So he, um, this young man in outside of Seattle, actually up in the Northwest, um, was uh, gaming, you know, before he headed off to, to college. And the parents were concerned, but um, they didn't realize until they, um, the mother came home. The mother drove by a car that looked like his when he was supposed to be at school. 
at, at college, and all of his clothes and belongings were in that car. And as it turns out, he was flunking out of school because once he left home, he had no control, and he was gaming all night long and um, was unable to um, function. And so there are there's, there is a... Um, there's a rehab center for internet addiction outside of Seattle that this boy went to and was able to repair um, and, and, you know, detox from the internet addiction. He did, um, when he left, he had, he did um, relapse a bit, but he is, he's on a, a strong path now and doing well. So on the, on the social side of it, um, Sherry Turkle, who's, who was also interviewed in the film, she's a professor of uh, social studies of science and technology, I think, at MIT. And she not only talked about the impact it has on learning, but just the impact of multitasking on social interactions and empathy. And I, I know the struggle with my own daughter when she's on her phone and I'm trying to talk to her and she goes, uh-huh, yeah, ma, yeah, uh-huh, you know, um, what's most surprised you about what you learned um, just from Sherry Turkle and, and her her um, conversations about that? Sure. Well, really what what was most um, interesting to me was that the studies on multi, multitasking show that even though you feel like you're doing better and better, people are actually doing worse on worse and worse on everything they do. Um, In what and, way? in that they're not the actual tasks, the, the results of the tasks they're trying to get done, they're, they're not doing as well as they would if they were just to do them individually, singularly. So that, those studies have been done, that multitasking is really, um, you know, this, this idea that we can multitask isn't really necessarily true, that we can't do it well, we can't do anything well. And then that impact then again on, you know, with adults, it's one thing, but um, with young people, again, with that developing brain, there must be a different kind of impact as well. Is that true? Well, um, we don't know, but they're, they're less able, they're, they're more susceptible mm-hmm. to, um, to distraction because mm-hmm. of um, the rewards that, that happen along the way. And so that is... Um, that's the biggest concern there is that kids are extremely susceptible to distraction. And when we're handing them these devices, these extremely, you know, seductive devices that will um, distract them and expect them to not be distracted, we're, we're really kidding ourselves. And, you know, especially like in the classroom where um, the, they're handed a computer and they can have, you know, they're, they're, trying to do a task and then half the kids are also playing a game because they can just open another tab or at home they're doing their homework and and we talked to several kids in the movie um that that talk about that that they they uh quickly change the tab when their parents come in the room um and it's hard to focus when you have this this fun thing right there um for you to distract so Creating some kinds of controls around that, helping your child to learn self-control is really what we advocate. If you just tuned in, we're speaking with Lisa Tab, who's co-producer, executive producer, and collaborator on the documentary film Screenagers, uh, directed by Dr. Delaney Rustin. 
So it seems obvious here that the parents really have to be the parents in this case, and we have to take the lead. Um, and there are numerous steps that parents and families can take. And you have a lot of resources on on your um, site, and maybe you could just share some of those with um, our listeners. Sure. So um, there are there are a lot of you know small steps that we as parents can do. One is so our our website is screenagersmovie.com, and we have lots of blogs and tools. One is uh, creating a contract, and um, we believe that that's the first step and to include your kid in the process of creating the contract. Um, Delaney created a contract with her daughter before she um, handed over the smartphone at age 13. And uh, when she handed it to her, she, she, um, the whole process was filmed. And it was a five-page contract that Delaney and her husband, Peter, put together themselves. And uh, that was not received super well. Um, and, and it was a process that, um, you know, it was hard to stick to all the, all the rules on a five-page contract. But over time, they would revisit it and they would talk about it because, first of all, Tessa was growing up and there were things that, that changed for her. And, and, um, and so that was, you know, once Tessa got involved in creating the contract, she was much more open to abiding by the rules. So that, that's one, and we have a tool that you can go in and, and create your own contract and see some samples of, of others. Um, the, other, the other thing we have on our website is something called Tech Talk Tuesday. So every Tuesday we are creating just some conversation prompts for parents to um, bring up every Tuesday. We, we think that one of the best ways to uh, enact change and um, is to have conversations around this in our community and around the dinner table and to show our own vulnerability. So, um, you know, we, there was one, one Tech Talk Tuesday we talked about having uh, everybody talk about the one app that is uh, that they use the most, whether, you know, for, for me and my family, that would be um, – I use my email app on my phone. For my daughter, that was Instagram. For my son, it was Snapchat. And we um, talked about we we started to calculate how much time we were using in a day on that app on our phone. And then we said, let's just take that one app off of our phone for one week, and then have a conversation the following week about how much time we saved and what were some of those things we did instead. And it, that, those kinds of little steps can make a huge impact in uh, reducing screen time. So in terms of, uh, you know, this, the contract, et cetera, I mean, teens are, are really strong when it comes to persuasive arguments. Uh, if we don't know how to navigate it, they they usually win unless we, you know, slam it down and say, no, you know, yeah. um, they're, they're amazing. Uh, they just, they go and they have energy for it. They can go on and on, <laughs> you know? Um, and I know my daughter has really good judgment, but she will just say, mom, I'm just, you know, I'm going to finish this just a sec. And, you know, then it's like 20 minutes later. So what are some tips for parents, um, you know, how, on how to hold their ground in, in a, you know, dignified way without, you know, losing their cool? Right. 
Well, I think, um, I think again, you know, the small steps and having conversations before the fights happen and not during the fights, not just grabbing that phone and saying, you know, enough. It's like having, having conversations about the real facts, like sharing with them some of the science behind why you think you are, um, why you think that this isn't a great idea. And um, also looking at what you yourself are doing because uh, modeling is one of the key aspects of this whole um, dialogue is you need to make sure that you're not doing that all the time before you ask your child. So, and, and understanding also what they're doing in terms of why, what, what's making them feel good about what they're doing and it's not all bad. So, you know, there's, it's just moderation and setting some, some limits, some time. So, for instance, we really advocate that there's no screens in the bedroom at sleep time. Um, it seems simple, and, uh, but, but it disrupts sleep. It is shown to disrupt sleep. When you have those notifications going off, you have the buzzes and the beeps, and, and just, you know, subconsciously the kid knows that it's there. That is, is um, disrupting sleep. So that would be one, um, one major thing that we suggest. And, you know, and, and there's just little, little things like take the phone, maybe create a limit around phones in the car. Now, that's an obvious place where there's downtime and kids then go inward and you stop having those great conversations that we all um, were used to. So if you just make some rules around that, maybe no phones during carpools. That's what Delaney has done. And you, and you start to open up um, all sorts of conversations. When my daughter, the week that we took the, the apps off the phone, my daughter took um, Instagram off of her phone, and we went on a two-hour car ride. And at the end of the car ride, she said to me, Mom, I think that was the first time I looked out the window. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a big article in the Times this past week about the loss of introspection. Right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, and daydreaming. About it, yeah, daydreaming is an important par- time of processing. And when you're, when you're you know, mindlessly going through your um, Facebook feed or articles, you're not daydreaming. That's not downtime. You're not, it's not a time that your brain can then process what's gone on. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these, these devices are enormously powerful. We've seen this change on, on the streets and travel. And everywhere we go, you know, people's heads are down and they're on their phones. Um, and you talk about modeling. Um, even, my, even people I know and respect who have great social skills are captured by their phones. And you and I were talking the other day briefly, and you shared this story uh, when you gave a presentation at Google. I, I wondered if you might just share that. Yeah, well, I was um, I was at Google, and um, I did notice that uh, there was there was a gentleman that was on his computer. And this and was at a screening of the film, correct? It was a screening of the film mm-hmm. for employees, and um, and he was on his computer doing work, which we all are. We are, and, and that's something that we as parents justify our actions that we're doing work, but. We all know there can be a limit to how much we work, and there's a time and place, and we need to maybe stop using that as an excuse all the time. And in any case, so, um, this person was on his, his uh, computer, and uh, I noticed that there was a friction between, uh, at some point, his wife 
took the computer and put it in her in her bag. Um, so it, it's a it's it's a huge issue between um, in families. I have people coming up time and again after a screening saying that it is affecting their marriage and their parenting because their husband or their wife aren't on the same page or their ex-husband or their ex-wife are not on the same page. And so how they are um, able to parent in a non-unified way really affects, um, really affects their children. Yeah, it does, and it creates a lot of stress. It's like an extra level of stress that's already uh, on top of uh, people in a very stressful world. So um, there are a lot of resources that you folks at ScreenagersMovie.com make available to parents, like you said, the blog and uh, resources, et cetera. And uh, where can people see this film? So ScreenAgers is only being shown in community right now. So um, you, anybody can bring it to their school, to their uh, church to their synagogue to the Girl Scout troop. We even have a Girl Scout curriculum badge program available. Um, it's anybody can bring it and set up a screening. So you can't uh, stream it right now. We're that we're that's intentional. We want people to have conversations in community. So we are really hoping that people continue to. Um, rent this and show this to their community. And you can use it as a fundraiser. We have a great model to help you um, actually pay for the license through ticket sales and and um, and generate more income for your school or community group. Great. So how would someone go about um, getting in touch with you to organize a, a screening in their school or community? So again, um, if you go to screenagersmovie.com, we have a form there under host a screening that you fill out, and we'll get right back to you. Well, I I really uh, enjoyed the film. I enjoyed it because it was a great inside look, and I really appreciated uh, Dr. Rustin's um, opening her family and her personal struggles and her kids. You know, it took a lot of courage to put themselves out there. And I really recommend it. It's it's just a fantastic um, film on a really important topic for our time and, and for our kids, for sure. And uh, I just want to thank you for um, stepping in today and speaking with us today, Lisa Tab, on, on Health Watch. And I really urge people to use those resources and um, get to the ScreenAgersMovie.com website and organize a showing. So thank you so much for being here on Health Watch with us today, Lisa. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. And thank you for tuning in to Health Watch. You can listen to the show in a, on kboo.org slash healthwatch. This is Ellen Goldsmith, licensed acupuncturist, your host. <laughs>